Man, today's message is so good. Oh, I should have invited Lance. He would have really liked this one. Oh, and Karen too. I know she's going through some stuff. I should have. I could have. But I didn't. I've said that before. I've said that, that boy, I, I should have invited so-and-so. This would have been a great time for them to, to catch the heart behind God's love for them or, or whatever it would be. And then there's times where I'm sitting next to Heidi and I'm thinking, I hope she heard that. I hope she heard that. Or you may think that about your spouse, that, oh, I hope they heard that. You might think that about your children. Oh, I wish they were here because they needed to hear that. Now, we all need to hear God, right? We all need to hear God. And what this series is about is, is, is connecting with people. It's reaching one person at a time through relationship. Our vision here at New Hope is to reach the lost one relationship at a time. But what does that mean, the lost? Well, when Adam and Eve sinned, when they disobeyed God, then sin entered into the world which means that now we're lost without God. We, we have this separation from God because of sin. So there's a, we're lost as human beings. We, we need God to um, get back to where it was in the beginning, where we have a relationship with God, and not just for this time on earth, but for all of eternity. And God loves us that much that He created us to spend eternity with Him. You may think your life is great now. Imagine if it were a perfect place. That's what heaven will be like. So this is not our home, but God says you're, you're, you need me because you have this sin nature now in you that has been passed down from Adam and Eve to you. So we're separated from God. We're lost without God. That's how we're to reach people one relationship at a time. There may be family and friends that you know of, they don't know what it means to be lost. Now, we live in our world, but every single one of us has a world that we live in. Your world is different than my world. The world you live in with the people that you surround yourself with might be a crazy world. It might be an insane world. It might be a calm, peaceful, quiet world. It could be a world full of musicians or artists. It could be a world full of children and craziness and, and stress. That might be your world. Your world might be what you do for a living, your job, your career, your school, homework. That's your world. Chores is your world. You, everybody has a world around them, even though we live in this world. So we want to look at how do we reach our world? How do we reach people who are close to us, people that we come in contact with? How do we reach people who are in our workplaces or at the restaurant? How do we do that? How do we reach people? Well, I want you to open your bulletins because there's a, a note paper there that you can follow along with and write down some notes. And the reason why we take notes is so that we can remember. I mean, we forget things quickly. So we want to remember these things. Uh, Dr. Robin was talking about the uh, Instagram and, and tele, telegram. Telegram. And I was wondering, Telegram, how does that work? You know, what is that, what is that like? I think you, you tell someone something and then they go tell somebody else, right? And you give them a note. Back then, they would, I guess they would come to your house. And I was thinking, no, that's the mailman. What's a Telegram? And so uh, I, I'm, I'm still learning about that. 
I was probably just on the fringe of the telegram going away and the telephone coming in. I, I don't know. So one woman came up to me after first service and she says, you know, there's telegraph, there's telegram, and there's telewoman. So, so the telewoman might work the best because they always remember. So take out your notes with me uh, as we talk about reaching our world for uh, reaching our world. And again, we all have a world that we live in, but we want to reach people for a purpose, not just to build a relationship with them, but we want to reach people so that they can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now think about it, from the IRS scandal that's been going on, the, the government shutdown, uh, the issue with same-gender marriage, and all of these different things coming into our state and nation, it can almost seem like, where is our world going? You know, if someone doesn't know God and they're putting their hope into our government system, they can feel hopeless right now. If they put their hope into their job and then they get laid off, they feel hopeless. But we don't put our hope into the things of this world. We put our hope into God because He never changes. Listen, the government may shut down, but God never does. He never shuts down. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He stands the test of time. We, we see our world changing right before our very eyes. And for some of us, we don't even know it's happening that fast. It's changing rapidly right in front of our eyes. What was happening four years ago is not happening today. Things change so quick. The new phone you got six months ago is outdated. It changes so quick. This Wednesday, we're going to be talking about some things that is changing in our state, dealing with the same-sex uh, marriage that may become a law. And so we're going to be hitting some topics on Wednesday. Uh, we'll be going a little bit into detail on, on what we're doing as a church because here's, here's our heart and here's our mission. Our goal is for us to keep God's design for marriage which is one man, one woman. That's God's design for marriage. Now, there are people who want to change the definition of marriage, and so we're not fighting against people. We're not fighting against a, a group of people. We are for God's design for marriage. Some people will have a political spirit, and they'll say, no, we got to fight, we got to fight, we got to fight. If you fight with the, the fleshly nature then the Bible says we war not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual principalities of the unseen world. In other words, it's a spiritual battle, not a man against man. So it, it's not fighting against uh, those who are saying yes to same-sex marriage. It's not fighting against the gay community. God loves every single person. We're not fighting against people. We're not against people. We're for God's design for marriage. So Wednesday night, we'll be talking about some things. And, and if you're going to be there Wednesday night, uh, I wouldn't... I would be cautious of bringing your children because of the things that we'll be discussing. And the reason why we need to discuss this is because you're not going to know. Our government officials are not going to mail these things to you on the ramifications that will happen if this becomes a law. And it's not to, to say that they're not doing a great job because everybody has their own opinions, but they're not going to let you know what's happening. Because of this special session that's coming up, uh, it's not going to you and I as the people. 
So the way it's being done is not the, the best way because when we voted the law in to say that it's between one man and one woman as defining marriage, then the only way they can change it is to bring it back to the people. But they're not. They're doing a special session. So that's not how it's supposed to be done constitutionally. There's supposed to be a constitutional amendment that is supposed to go back to the people so that we can vote on it. But that's not, not how it's happening. It's a special session that you have no say over. That they will vote it in on their personal opinion, not as the people will say, if it's done this way. But that's where you and I come in. We must speak up because we live in the United States of America. This is the government of the, for the, by the, but that's not what this special session is about. So we are the United States of America, not our government. They're a part of it, but they don't make up the United States of America. You know what makes this such a beautiful country? You and I, even with our differences, even those who are for same-sex marriage, they're not listening to you either. The bill that's being put in, there are so many discrepancies in it and flaws in it. And you can go on to our, either our website, newhopehilo.org, or you can go on to our state, uh, Hawaii State website, and look over the bill. It contradicts each other, uh, different sections. So even the bill itself is, does not make sense. So we're going to talk more about that on Wednesday night and show a couple videos to help you understand where we are. We've uh, built a task force this past week that will help us in moving forward. Tomorrow, we're actually going to be down by Walgreens in that section. Uh, probably, most likely that area. Uh, we're thinking of two places, but guarantee that area. From 3.30 to 5 o'clock, and just holding out a sign that says, let the people vote on the issue of marriage. Let the people vote. Whatever side you're on, but let the people vote. Now, you know me, you know this church, we're not always about sign-waving because it's always about one relationship at a time. But when you try to change the definition of something God created, well, now you're climbing up the wrong tree. Imagine if we can change God's laws and definitions, especially with this thing called marriage, imagine, now just imagine, what it will be like in the future when we change the definition of murder and the definition of human being. Imagine what scientists can do to you and I when they change the definition of human being. They change the definition of a fetus. They change the definition of a baby. Imagine. This is just the beginning because we war not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual principalities of the unseen world, the dark unseen world. There is an adversary, guys. It's not going to happen. That's where you come in. You make sure it doesn't happen. Well, what if I don't believe in the direction that we're going as a church? And what if I don't want to be a part of this church? That's your decision. That's your decision. But I tell you this, God will always love us. God will always love you. The reason why I beat this nail so strongly is because it affects society. It affects every single person. It affects you and I. Your family members might be upset. People may get mad. But that's okay. Either way, 
I want to look at my children and my grandchildren in their eyes when they become adults and say, I did everything possible for you. I did everything possible. That I loved you enough to do my part. We'll also have postcards in the fellowship hall uh, that will help with uh, writing to your district representative. That you can just write on it, just put your name. Uh, you can also put a quick note on it, your return address, and then leave it with us and we'll stamp it for you and mail it out tomorrow. And it'll only take 15 seconds to do that. If there's a line, then it may take a little longer, but it shouldn't take that long. Just before you leave, just sign it real quick and then we'll take care of it from there. 15 seconds. Sounds like some kind of commercial. But 15 seconds. Listen, it's, it takes longer to pop popcorn in your microwave. And this issue is far more important than popcorn. And although I love popcorn, this issue is far more valuable. So we're going to be talking about that on Wednesday. We'll also have a meeting here on Thursday with all the different churches at 12 o'clock. And if you want to be a part of that to see what's going to be taking place, then you can be up here at 12 o'clock. Uh, many are fasting and praying, uh, doing a Daniel fast as of today up until uh, the 28th, which is a 21-day fast, which is different, uh, a different type of eating uh, habit. Uh, so we'll be having fruits for lunch that day. But uh, if you can come up, then that would be great. And you might be thinking, well, how does this affect us? Does it affect us? Why should it matter? Why should it affect me in this kind of way? Well, again, unlike our government, God never shuts down. He doesn't change. He is always the same. If you read throughout the Bible, He's consistent. It's who He is. That's His character. Did you know that even, the, even in the days of Jesus, they, there were government officials who questioned Him? And I wish it was more government officials, even today, questioning Jesus, asking God for wisdom. Asking Jesus for direction. Asking God for direction. Because man has only so much wisdom. And God has placed us in an authoritative kind of nation where we have people in place that help govern the nation, that help direct us. But where do they get their wisdom from? They can only go so much because we're finite creatures. We have a limit. Where do they get their wisdom from? There were these people that came up to Jesus and they were asking him some questions. And they asked Jesus, you know, what, why do you do what you do? And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read out of the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. And if you're reading your devotions, which is the bookmarker that we have and reading the Bible, then you're, you're kind of on the same page right now. And on Sunday mornings, we talk about uh, what we're reading through uh, in our bookmarker. But Luke chapter 15 and verse 1, all the tax collectors and the, and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. So you had tax collectors, those that uh, worked for the Roman government. They came up to Jesus and the Pharisees and scribes complained because these tax collectors and sinners were listening to Jesus and seeking him. But the Pharisees and scribes, which were the religious leaders and those who recorded uh, what the religious leaders were saying, the scribes, they're the recorders, they complained. They said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus spoke this parable to them. He says, what man of you, 
having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. And what Jesus is saying is when someone is lost, like a lost sheep, and then the shepherd finds this lost sheep. They rejoice because this one that was lost is now found. The 99 are fine. They're okay. And then he likens it to us. He says, but when one of us are found, all of heaven rejoices. For one sinner who repents, which means turns away from their old ways or turns away from who, uh, the, the things they're doing that are against God or turns away from sinful behaviors and turns towards God. But now we follow him. We've repented. And he says, there's joy in heaven when that takes place. But how will they know unless someone lets them know? You see, someone doesn't know they're lost if they don't know they had an owner. You and I know we were lost because we understand that we have an owner. And when you lose something of value, you spend enormous amounts of energy in the process of looking for it. We were at Bellows... Uh, Air Force Base on Oahu, we had a family reunion, and Heidi lost one of her earrings. And so she noticed it over the weekend because when she, uh, not over the weekend, but when she uh, went, we went back to the hotel, she noticed that it was missing. And so we couldn't go back until the following Monday. So it was from Friday to Monday that this earring was lost. And she thought she lost it at Bellows because um, that's the last place she remembers that we were. So we thought, well, let's go back. So we went back to the place we were, and now, you know, the campsite is gone, and you're trying to remember where exactly you were, where you parked. And so we went looking where we parked the car. We couldn't find it. There's sand. There's all the leaves from the trees, all the pine cones and all of those things. And so we're just trying to find it. And now I'm thinking, oh, man, it's just an earring. It's just an earring. But no, it's a valuable earring to her. And guys, you might think, it's just an earring. Go we'll get another one. You have 50 million in that bowl. Yeah, try losing your, rain, your, your driver for your golf club set or your, golf, or your, your uh, fishing pole or your car or your tool set. I, I dare to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Or your false teeth. You're going to go and look for it. Why? Because it's valuable. Now you understand. So we're there looking for it. Finally, I hear Heidi, I found it! And she holds it up like Simba. And so I said, yay, can we leave? Because the whole beach heard you. Can we go? She didn't yell that loud. So we go back in the car and I thought, it's that valuable for her, to her, that we went back and we looked for it. Because when something is that valuable, you spend a lot of time looking for it. Now, she was not looking for her other earring because it was fine. It was in her care. It's not that she didn't care about her other earring. It's because it was already found. What Jesus is saying is when you leave the 99, it doesn't mean you don't care. It means that they're already being taken care of. We're the 99. 
Many of us know Jesus Christ. We're already found. But there's that one lost sheep out there that have no idea, no idea that they're lost. They don't know because they don't know they have an owner. God created us. We belong to Him, but we're lost because of sin to Him. But now He says it's now your turn to lead the 99 to go out looking for that one lost sheep. See, the world is not getting any better. But in order for us to reach the world, we need to remember our assignment. And you can write that in your first point. Just to remember my assignment. Remember, remember who you are in God. Why He rescued you and I. And why we're still here. We have an assignment, guys. The people you hang around with, I might not ever hang around with. The people I hang around with, you may never hang around with. You might be thinking, I don't like you hanging around the people I hang around with. But you do. God did that and designed that with a purpose. Because he called you to reach them. Any of you ever been on like a missions trip? You went somewhere and been on a missions trip? Just raise your hand real quick. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. But hey, you've been on a missions trip. You went to Haiti or some other country or wherever. You've been on a missions trip. Okay, you can put your hands down. Okay, a couple of you have been on a missions trip. I want, us to, uh, I want to explain the definition of missionary to you. It's one who is sent on a mission, especially one sent to do religious or charitable work in a territory or foreign country. And we're going to read this scripture together, okay? It's, it's Philippians 3.20, and it's in your notes, but it'll pop up here on the screen. Philippians 3.20. Ready? Go. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Okay. So we are citizens of where? Heaven. If we're citizens of heaven, is this earth heaven? <laughs> Far from it. So if our citizen is in heaven, if our citizenship is in heaven, where is our home? In heaven. So if our home is in heaven, where do we belong? In heaven. Earth is not our home, guys. That's why we long for eternity. That's why our bodies cannot keep up with our spirit. That's why when we lose a loved one, we still love them because they're in eternity. We're created eternal creatures. This is not our home. Now let me ask you one more time. How many of you guys are on a missions trip? Raise your hand. I'll try that again. Home is heaven. This is not where we live. How many of you guys are missionaries? Raise your hand. My cutie. <laughs> we don't live here. This is our temporary home. So God says, you are all missionaries. This is your mission field. Matthew 28, 18, 18 through 20 says, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. A disciple means to teach or instruct. In other words, what Jesus is saying is you got to teach people how to follow me. You got to let them know how much I love them. That's why we're so passionate about not redefining these words that God has created 
We need to teach people that if we want to change God's laws, that it's not the right or best thing to do. Because things will change if we don't speak up. See, when God says you are on a mission, that that's your assignment, here's the second thing. We must be intentional about loving people into the kingdom. To be intentional. Sometimes loving people into the kingdom is very easy. Sometimes it's very difficult. But that's the world you and I live in. You have your own world. The reason why it's difficult is because people don't understand yet. We're dealing with a lost world. That's what those invitation cards are all about. It's a simple way to reach out to people. Here's how the Bible describes lost. It's, it's, being, it's not being in the possession of the owner's hands. That's how the Bible kind of defines lost. In other words, those who don't know Jesus because that's the only way we can come before God to be forgiven. It's through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because they don't know that, they're lost until they find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Jesus gives a story in Luke 15, verse 8. He says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, you might think, or maybe your friends think, or whoever it is, they may think, well, I'm not lost. I have a great life. I have a great family. I have a great future ahead. I have a, a great uh, a job. Finances are great. Great children. Everybody's, everybody's fine. I'm not lost. I know about God, but I, I'm, I'm not lost. Well, here's how you can determine if you're lost or not, or, or anyone to know if they're lost or not. The question is, are you in the possession of the owner's hands who created you? Are you in the possession of the owner's hands, the one who created you? Or is God just a religious figure? Is he just someone you know about, you call upon him every once in a while to help you? He's just not God of your life. You don't follow him. You just know a little about him. And then when things become difficult, you cry out to him. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's kind of how you know. Am I lost? Am I found? How, how do I know? Do you follow God or do what you want? See, we've got to be intentional because people don't know. I remember volunteering in our youth ministry, and uh, this is about 20 years ago. And someone by the name of Georgia Santos came up to me and, uh, you know, she was investing in me. And I didn't know it at that time, but she came up to me and uh, I was driving out of the parking lot. My window was rolled down and she was waving, waving, wait, 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 wait. I said, yes, auntie. And she said, um, I want you to listen to some music. And I said, okay. She handed me a small box of cassette tapes. So she handed me this box and I said, oh, what is this? She said, just listen to it. It's good music. I said, what kind of music? She said, just listen to it. I said, it's not the kind of Christian weird music, huh? She goes, just listen to it. I said, better have rap. So I put it on the side. And so I left, and it was there for a couple days, and I thought, 
I, I, I got to listen to it at least a little bit because it, she's going to ask me, hey, did you listen to it? And I can't lie to her and say, yeah, and I didn't. No way. She goes, no. So I just threw in one tape, and I thought, I'm just going to listen to it real quick. And then when she sees me, did you listen to it? Yes, I did. See, I didn't lie. Yes, I did. How did you like it? It was pretty good. See, pretty good doesn't say I like it or I don't like it. It's kind of like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's kind of like a kind way when you don't like something someone gave you to eat. It's like, oh, so how was it? Mm, pretty good. But was salty. So I was prepared for that. So I put the tape in. And remember, uh, some of you might remember this song. It's called, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. So it's, it's one of the most played uh, songs in all of Christian history, uh, modern day, contemporary. And it was, I think, in 19, it was in the 90s that I think it came out. So I, I, I put this thing in, and it, and it says this. Uh, you came from heaven to earth to show me the way. On the cross, my debt to pay. Then it says, you came from heaven to earth to show me the way. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Now, it's doing this, and I'm getting choked up now because I was listening to the words, and I started crying because I understood. I said, wait, wait, so that means you came from heaven to pay for my sins. And I'm driving. You came from heaven to show the way from the earth to the cross. My dad to pay from the cross to the grave. From the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. How's it, brother? <laughs> and just driving, and I'm crying and crying. And, and so I don't know what's happening. And so I, I, I listen to these songs over and over again. Finally, when I see Auntie Georgia, I, I, I find her, and I don't wait till she comes to me. I go to her and I say, what did you do? What is that? What am I listening to? What's some kind of subliminal message in there? What is going on? You're brainwashing me? What is that? She goes, what happened? I said, I put this thing in. I'm listening to the lyrics. I start crying. She goes, really? Now, inside, she's probably like, yay! You're finding Jesus. And so I said, well, what is that? She goes, it's just Christian music. I didn't understand what that meant because there's Christian lyrics. And what she was saying is, I'm just being intentional about loving you. And I said, why do I feel like this when I listen to these songs? And this is what she said. Because there's a calling on your life. I'm thinking, calling? I don't even know what that means. What is that calling? I don't like God calling me if I'm going to end up like this, crying. I don't want him to call me. I think what she was talking about 20 years ago was what I get to do today. That there's intentionality. Now, I couldn't see it back then. Back then when she says, because God has a calling on your life, I would have been like, okay, yeah, okay, thank you. Thank you for the tapes. I will go and burn them now. But I understood God's love for me. I understood. Because someone was intentional. You see, when you're intentional about reaching out to people, there's no hidden motive. You just love them intentionally. That, see, God, the way God designed us is that we are lost without Him, that we need Him into our lives. Hard to love people into the kingdom of God if you're not even a part of it. 
we got to get to know God. Jesus gives a great story about the prodigal son. Prodigal meaning, you know, uh, extravagant spending, spending money recklessly. And on your own, you can read Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32, but I'll give you the story in, a, in a, just a synopsis of it. You have these two sons that Jesus talks about and a father. And the younger son comes to the father and he says, Father, I want my inheritance early. And so the father gives his son the inheritance early. The son goes off and spends it on wild living. And then his son finds out, I have nothing, I'm broke. But then there's a famine in the land. So now the son finds himself working with this other person, feeding pigs. And now he's so hungry that he's thinking about eating pig slop. And the Bible says he comes to his senses. And he says, what am I doing here? Even my father's slaves live better than this. I know what I'll do. I'll go back home. I'll, I'll, I'll run to my dad and I'll, I'll say, Father, I, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. I, please forgive me. Make me one of your slaves. I'd rather be one of your slaves, Dad, than what I'm doing. And that, was his, that was his heart. Now, the dad, on the other hand, is waiting for his son to come home. So the son comes home in Luke 15, 20. And as he arose and came to his father, oh, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father didn't wait for his son to make it all the way home. Just a glimpse of his son's heart change. And seeing his son, the father ran to him. That's what God does for you and I. With one quick change of the heart, he runs to us. With people that you intentionally love into the kingdom of God, once they, once they sense the love of God, and once their heart just makes that small little adjustment towards God, God runs towards them. He doesn't ask them, where have you been? How come you're covered with slop? How come you look like this? Ah, oh, you're stinky, you're dirty. And you need to change before you come into my presence. God accepts us just as we are. And Jesus teaches that as showing the father running to his child. See, it's, it's the father who welcomed him back home. We don't have the compassion to be patient with people when they don't change. God does. Our responsibility is not to change people. The, the prodigal son that came home, he didn't have to change his own clothes. He didn't have to take a shower. He didn't have to do those things for the dad to accept him. He came home, and you know what the dad did? He said, bring me a robe. Bring me a ring. Put it on his finger. My son, who was dead, is now found. He was lost, but now he's found. It's the father who puts robes and rings on us. It's the king of kings that robes you. You don't have to change. God will do that in you. He accepts us just as we are. And he says, I love you this much to put a robe on you. And I put a ring on your finger. In other words, number three, let's partner with Jesus for the long haul. 
Let's partner with him for the long haul. People may not change. That's okay. Our goal is not to change people. We can't do that anyway, so we're going to waste our time. Our goal, however, is to love people into the kingdom of God and let God do the changing because he'll do a much better job. Imagine if when the son came home, that as the brother or sister, we said, hey, look, he's dirty. Hang on, dad. Ran out there, put a T-shirt on him, you know, kind of wiped him down. And then that's it. And said, okay, now you can go see dad. They would never see the robe or the ring. Our father in heaven has a much better attire for people when they change. Much better. And people may even say that about you if they haven't seen you in a long time. Or maybe they should. That, wow, you're different. You're not like before. In other words, they're saying, the clothes you used to wear before is you're wearing a robe now. But you don't exalt yourself better than me. You just, you just appear different. What is it? You can say, because I've, I've been found by, the, by my God. He, he changed me. See, if, if we understand that there's a long haul, then we don't have hidden motives of just trying to bring people to church as a trophy to say, I brought somebody, or as a, as a way to, uh, because I, I've done this before, I brought someone to church, introduced them to everybody, and the new person is like, I don't want to meet all these people. I just wanted to come in here and go home, that's it. But I feel excited because look, this person, and, and look, look, he's crying. He was touched this morning. You know, I, I'm not going to do that because I'm in it for the long haul. It's reaching people for the long haul. Here's why we do that, because we, we can't change people. So if our motive is to change people, it's not going to work. And, and here's why we can't change people, because you and I don't know everything that's going on in their lives. But God does. The story continues in Luke 15 with the prodigal son. It's in your notes, chapter 15, verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing, so he called one of his servants, one of the servants, and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has delivered him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And, you, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And here's the father's response. Son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. You know, very rarely will you see a person who does not believe in God complain about what God is doing. Very rarely. But you will hear about those who are in God's own family complain about things. That's why we got to be in it for the long haul. Because even people who know God still have a lot of work to do. We all have a lot of work to do. God is still changing us from glory to glory, as the Bible says. we got to be in it for the long haul. In order for us to reach new people, 
we're going to have to deal with a lot of pig slop. It's just a part of it. You and I were once there, but someone invested in us intentionally. Before Heidi and I were married, we had people investing in us, and, and uh, we were living together, and they were saying, you know, if you want God's blessing, then don't you want to do things God's way? And we said, yeah, that's why we're going to church. And as they built relationship with us over time, they were more intentional. And they said, you know, we see God's calling, God's hand on your life, and, but you're living in sin. And I thought, what do you mean I'm living in sin? They said, yeah, the Bible talks about fornication, which is sex outside of marriage. And I said, well, oh, I didn't know that. We already have a child, so it must be good, right? No? And they said, no, no. Marriage is what God designed for you. His gift in marriage is sex. And outside of that, that's not how God designed it. And I said, so we want to be right in God's eyes, then what are we supposed to do? They said, well, if you get married, because you're going to get married one day, right? They said, yeah, we're planning on it in the future. I said, if you get married, what that does now is instead of God just blessing you and blessing you, he blesses your relationship. I said, that's what I want to do. One of our friends who was really close to us, this is the best way she could put it. She walked up to Heidi and I, put her hand on the counter and said, listen, if you don't get married, you're going to hell. I was like, what? Heidi, do you? Do you? I do. Okay, let's get married now. I, that's what I thought. And, I, and, the, and she literally didn't mean we were going to hell, but that's the best way we could understand. She was that determined and that intentional about us getting married because she could see God's hand on our lives. And although that theory is not accurate, that we weren't actually going to hell, what she was saying is there's a great future ahead. We have this thing called the ministry of the open seat that you're going to be hearing about here at New Hope Hila Hawaii. The ministry of the open seat is this. We must have an open seat for people who do not know Jesus Christ. That's what you see next to you. It's an open seat. But even in ministries, and it's not going to function like the ministry of, of our youth ministry, children's ministry, or Celebrate Recovery, or those types of ministries. It's a ministry of personal relationships. That people who have a gifting to run camera or a gifting to cook, that they'll come alongside of us, and it's in the, in the, the community of the 99, the community of believers, that they will sense God's love. And even though if they don't know God... They might be cooking breakfast and, you know, looking around and everybody's so loving and you know how we are, we're encouraging, well, we should be. And so as they're cooking, they might be thinking, oh, these people are different. You know, they're, they're, they're loving, they're kind. I wonder why. And maybe they'll ask you as you have a relationship with them, how come you guys are like so loving? Well, because we serve a loving God. He loves us like that, so we got to love people like that too. You may have somebody who has a skilled uh, musicianship on guitar and, and maybe they're just coming to know God and, and they'll, they'll be playing and they're, they're looking around and everybody's raising their hands or, or people are singing and, and clapping to God and they might be playing and thinking, kind of weird these people, how come they lifting their hands and clapping? This is different than the concerts I do. I don't know what these people are doing. But then maybe it's in the area of community when the band members are together, the 99, that and he may pull his friend on the side and say, hey, you know, you asked me to play guitar. Well, what are the people doing? Oh, they're, they're worshiping God. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you. And it's an open door from the open seat. 
I think if we understand the heart behind reaching out to lost people, we'll understand the heart of bringing them to us as how the tax collectors and the sinners were around Jesus. Listen, if you and I aren't in church around sinners, why are we even here? We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. But there are many people, many sinners, if it were, who do not know God. But I can love someone into the kingdom of God one relationship at a time because I have an affiliation with them through whatever gifting, whatever talent, whatever relationship, that everyone can come to know Jesus Christ some way and it'll be through relationships. You know, if you're reading through the devotions with us in our Bible with the bookmarker, you've been reading about the book of Esther because God has called us to be a part of reaching our world and we're going to do it for the long haul, even though people may not change, even though if they never change, we're going to love them until we go back home to be with Jesus. We're going to continue to love people because God is the designer and he's the one who changes us. And as we read the Bible together, we're reading about Esther and, and how as a young Jewish woman, she was brought into the king's palace because the queen, Vashti, was deposed by the king because she didn't come to him when called upon. And they said, you know what, she cannot be queen. So now Esther becomes queen and some of the king's men did not like her cousin Mordecai so they conspired to kill him, and because he was a Jew, they were going to kill all the Jews also. Well, Mordecai tells Esther to do something about it, but Esther tells him, I cannot just enter the king's palace, otherwise the king might kill me. That's a risk that I'm not willing to take. In your notes, Esther 4, verse 14, Mordecai says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, Deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. So Esther goes in, seeks audience with the king, pleads her case. The king protects her people. She's saved, Mordecai is saved, and the Jews are saved. Because she said something and did something. She was intentional and so was Mordecai. Listen, we need more Esthers and Mordecais in our world today. We need voices. People who will be able to stand up for godliness. People who will not remain silent. But speak up concerning the things of God. Starting with reaching your world. One relationship at a time. We're going to close in prayer right now. So I'm going to ask if you would just bow your heads and, and close your eyes for a moment. Because I think there's some of you this morning that you're saying, I don't have this relationship with God. I, I know a little bit about Him, but I don't know Him in a personal way. And I don't know how to do that. I, I never knew I could. I just kind of attend church. But I want to I get to know God in a personal way. And if that's you this morning and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you want me to pray with you, could you just lift a hand and, and we'll pray together right now. And you don't have to do anything else, but I just want to know. If you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ, could you just lift your hand and we'll pray together. Go ahead. Good, good. Many of you this morning. And you're saying, I, I want to give my heart to Christ. Good. Good. You can put your hands down. Let's pray this prayer, especially for those who are saying yes to Jesus for the very first time. Let's, let's pray this together. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for dying for my sins, washing me clean, and making me brand new. I give you my heart, and I will follow you as my Lord and Savior. I say this in your name, and I trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, that's our prayer. Our prayer is to just draw closer to you. I pray in this season, Lord, as we reach out to people one relationship at a time and as we reach our world, we will do everything possible with intentionality to love people into the kingdom of God for the long haul. It may take seven years, 20 years, two days, who knows, for people to come to know you as Lord and Savior. It's not about them coming to this church. It's about them coming to you as their Savior. The hope of the world is you, as we can tell with what's happening. So, Lord, strengthen us. Even in the next couple of weeks, Lord, we pray that we would be able to voice our vote on the issue of marriage. Whatever side it's on, we want to say what we believe. It needs to go back to the people. And so we pray, we cry out to you for that. Release the heavenlies, Lord, to do the mighty works of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen.